The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. In a world where there were only 232 podcasts that talked about superhero movies, two men decided that no, there needed to be 233. This is the Totally Super Podcast. Hi, my name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And welcome to the Totally Super Podcast. Uh, today, at Arthur's uh, at Arthur's suggestion, uh, we are reviewing... The original Superman with Christopher Reeve. Uh, what uh, what an interesting revisit for me. I know. I To me, I figured uh, after... You know, after we sort of did our uh, Dr. Horrible uh, review, which sort of tied it in from what we were doing with Pop-Off before and analyzing Joss Whedon, I thought there's really no more iconic film to begin with than than this one. Uh, this was well, such a, a defining film of the genre and of its time. Well, this, you know, people can make the argument that um, the Batman 89 really ushered in the, the modern superhero era. You could say that. Um, and I'm trying to find... <clears throat> movies between Superman because Superman was what 1979 um, something like that so yeah. in the 10 years between Superman and Batman um, uh, in, except for sequels to Superman were there big budget uh, superhero movies is a good question so I'm going to say superhero movies of the 80s on my uh, on my Google um mm-hmm. And what am I seeing here? A Swamp Thing is not really superhero. It's based on a comic book. Superman 2, Toxic Avenger is really low yeah, budget. Neither, and that was really indie, yeah. Um, uh, Flash Gordon is sort of something else. Condor Man is more of a joke. Another Superman sequel. Robocop's more sci-fi. You've got mm-hmm. Supergirl, which, again, you know, is just a spinoff of Superman. Toxic Avenger. You know, The Incredible Hulk. The only, I mean, you got The Punisher, but that comes out the same year as Batman. So I yeah. think I don't think that you can say that Superman ushered in the modern era of the superhero films because there there are no superhero films after Superman before Batman. So while it is seminal for being the first superhero film that sort of takes its subject matter seriously, um, I think that you can't really say that it starts the era of the superhero film. No, I don't think it starts the era of the superhero film, but I do think it does help. It lays the groundwork for defining the genre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what it did differently, um, what it did that no other film had done, was that it took the character seriously. It took the character, yeah. said, said, what if Superman was an actual guy? What would that yeah, this be? Wasn't like? the, this wasn't the Adam West Batman film. Um. Uh, going back uh, before Superman, um, there were multiple uh, actors who played uh, Superman before Christopher Reeve. Um, I'm going to look up Superman actors on Google, Google, Google. Everybody loves Google. Um, uh, and the actors who have played uh, Superman, of course, everybody knows Christopher Reeve. You had uh, the Adventures of Superman audio- radio show in the 40s, the animated cartoons, the Max Fleischer ones uh, between 40 and 43. Interesting and side you note, had, the Adventures uh, of Superman... Uh... Interesting side note: the Adventures of Radio, uh, the Adventures of Superman radio show, actually helped uh, do a lot of serious damage to the Ku Klux Klan. I learned really? that on Drunk History. Yep. Did there you? Was a, yeah, a guy went undercover into the KKK, learned a bunch of their secrets, and then basically did a whole run of episodes of the radio show with Superman fighting the KKK. Uh. And so there were a lot of members of the KKK who were coming home and hearing their, uh, you know, and seeing their children listening to the show and realize it's that quintessential, Oh wait, am I the bad guy? <laughs> sort of thing. Very so, nice. Yeah. Um, uh, Kirk Allen played uh, Superman um, in the serials on the big screen. So I guess he's the first live action actor to tackle Superman on the big screen would be Kirk Allen and Superman and Adam man versus Superman. Um, uh, and then you had uh, uh, George Reeves, um, who is in Superman of the Mole Men and then six years in The Adventures of Superman. If there is a movie uh, that would be fun to watch that we're not going to cover on this one, but if you've uh, seen, uh, what's the name of it? 
Help me out here. The Ben Affleck um, movie about Superman for the life of me. I can't oh, remember. Oh, goodness. Uh, it's know. called Batman v Superman. No. Um, <laughs> uh, Hollywoodland, um, which is about the suspicious uh, death of George Reeves, uh, who played Superman. So, yes, you can see Ben Affleck in the Superman costume in uh in hollywood land so if you want to see batman play superman it's right there and it's one of the first times i've ever really respected ben affleck as an actor actually is in um hollywood land he really did some amazing work but Geely didn't do it for you huh no well you know actually i i will stand by uh early ben affleck performance in chasing amy any day of the week um, absolutely agreed um but really when you think of superman on the big screen there's one name it comes to mind. It's yeah. not. It's not Brandon Ruth. It's not George Reeves. Um. Uh. It's not. Uh. It's not Henry Cavill. It's Christopher Reeve. I think. Yeah. Definitively. And and for all of those people out there who I just want to be kind of you know crummy to, it's Reeve. It's not Reeves. Reeves is the is the old TV guy. It's Christopher Reeve. So I just want to put it out there. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh. What do you know about Christopher Reeve outside of uh, of Superman? Uh, not that t- I mean, he certainly, uh, you know, everyone knows about his uh, his tragic accident um, and how much of a uh, you know a real uh, philanthropist uh, and activist he became. Like Christopher Reeve is one of those people in the Hollywood era that everyone looks back on and is like, oh, what a great guy he was," um, which is really just it made him playing Superman all the more iconic. Um, the only other movie that I really know him from is somewhere in time, um, which is uh, this thing. Have you seen it? It's a, he's essentially this guy from modern day who kind of quantum leaps back in time um, and doesn't really like remember where he's from. And he, he falls in love uh, back in time and then he's yanked a uh, spoiler alert for a movie from 1980 um at the end he's yanked tragically back to his own time uh and it's i do it's, i remember hearing about that one it just crushes you it is a it is a great film and it rewatches really well so i i do suggest somewhere in time um stage actor uh um really just like the, it's a shame that the the costumes that they could make at the time didn't have the ability to really reveal how absolutely ripped this guy was this guy was mm-hmm. was freaking huge. Um uh and yet uh I don't know that it's his portrayal of Superman that we remember as much as his portrayal of Clark Kent. Yeah. Um, um well you know I I remember watching it and I I loved both of the portrayals. Uh there was a cuz the thing with Superman is and we'll get into this further but the thing with Superman is that he is sincere. Uh, he doesn't just represent, uh, like there is a certain, there is a certain like Midwest farm boy quality to him, uh, that this movie did a great job of really playing up, but it's that lack of, there is, there's not much sarcasm. There's no cynicism. It's just straight up sincerity. Like he says, oh no, I believe in doing good and I don't lie. And that's, and it's 100%. Um, and that is very difficult to play without being boring. Uh, so while Christopher Reeves, uh, his work is Clark Kent, certainly it's the Clark Kent stuff that's the funniest and sort of gives us some of the best moments. Um, there's a subtlety to his sincerity as Superman that I really thought worked very, very well. Yeah, I know. I'll agree with you with that. I think that there's um, there are a lot of really and we'll get into the plot and stuff, but there are a lot of really good choices that um, Richard Donner made uh, with this film. Um, not the least of which is making Metropolis clearly New York, just without a doubt. Yeah, I was thinking that with the with the uh, Statue of Liberty going. <laughs> yeah, um, and and making uh, Lois Lane clearly your '70s New York attitude. Uh, she mm-hmm. is cynical. Everything around Superman is really cynical. So when he yeah. when he goes in to these situations, it makes him stand out. It makes him alien to these situations. Mm-hmm. He's not just. Well, He's not just oh, alien nice... in that he's from another planet, but, you know, Midwest farm boy mm-hmm. in like if he were human, he would have been dead on his first day of work. Think about yeah. that. He would have been dead on his first day of work. On his first day of work. Um, yeah. So, the, uh, yeah. The 
and really the you know when uh Jorel tells him you know these people they're going to they can they can be good they just need your light your leadership in a way he's it's a way of saying it's like it's a cynical cynical world that needs your sincerity uh and you're right in New York really does uh New York is kind of the the archetype of the cynical city especially that like dirty 70s new york you know like it's, yeah it really gives you that and i mean and it's not like and it's not like a it's not dirty gotham like gotham is just gotham is the archetype of the despairing city new york is a successful city it's just cynical about it um you know That's new fair. york has a very very harsh exterior um but it's but it's a city that's surviving and one would argue even thriving. It's just yeah. doing it in a cynical way. Well, do you mind if I uh, if I hit uh, our audience with a plot with my Fast and Furious plot summaries? <laughs> cool. Yeah. Here, you go ahead and do the plot summaries. I actually, you believe I sat down and I took notes throughout the show. Oh, uh, good. I didn't. Movie. So I'm just going to okay, do the plot so summary what I'm gonna from do, memory. So, what, so, you know, so you just do the plot summary thing, and then I'll jump in, continuously interrupting you. I hope that's okay. Sure. That won't derail me at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. Um, uh, our movie opens um, on a stage in four by three with curtains um, talking about 1938 and the Daily Planet. And that opens up to massive, incredible three dimensional credits um, that then bring us to a, a planet um, which we assume is like thousands of years in the past. Um, so, uh, so we'll talk about that because I don't know when we are when the movie starts, but okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's talk about, dude, do, do you want to talk about the opening or do you want to just go let on? Me, through let and let, let me race through, let me race through our plot summary you and go then ahead. We, can, we can start the opening. Uh, the plot really starts when we're on the planet Krypton. Um, with, uh, with Jor-El sending, uh, three characters into the Phantom Zone, who I'm sure we'll never see again. Um, never. and, and then, uh, trying to convince everybody on the planet the planet's gonna blow up. Uh, they say, no, it's not. And of course, 20 minutes later, it does. Uh, he sends his one son, Kal-El, um, in, uh, one of those little, like, bushy balls that you step on when you're out in the, in the woods, uh, through space, uh, where he is indoctrinated with, uh, the wisdom of Krypton. Uh, until he lands uh, very uh, awkwardly naked uh, in a farm in uh, Kansas. He is raised uh, by um, Ma and Pa Kent, and uh, he is never able to really show his uh, his extraordinary ability where he's bullied because he is not able to exhibit the confidence that he really should be able to because he's trying to hide his powers. Um, when uh, Pa Kent dies, it really sends him on a journey of exploration because he realizes that he's not all powerful. He goes to the Fortress of Solitude, uh, which he creates out of a crystal and emerges years later uh, with with the wisdom of uh, of Krypton um, and uh, decides to go work at the Daily Planet in New York. I mean, Metropolis. Um, when uh, he is there, he reveals himself in a number of, of daring do rescues uh, and catches the attention of one uh, Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor has an amazing plan where he's going to be the richest real estate industrialist in the world uh, by uh, buying a whole bunch of land on one side of the San Andreas Fault and then destroying the rest of the country, making him the person in charge of all the land um because, because he is a criminal genius because uh he needs to be number one and that hubris is driving him uh he challenges superman um and in his challenge of superman uh ends up uh placing a piece of kryptonite around superman's neck and sends two nuclear missiles to go uh sends two nuclear missiles to go uh uh create this horrible uh, situation um, with uh, the uh, the kryptonite being removed by Miss Tessmacher, uh, who is uh, sorry, who is I keep wanting to say Gene Hackman, uh, who is uh, Lex Luthor's uh, be different. Uh, henchman. Uh, he has to make a choice and he keeps his promise to Miss Tessmacher to stop one missile, but he fails to stop the other one in time, uh, leading to the untimely death of one Lois Lane. Uh, completely flabbergasted by this tragedy, just uh, and in uh, and in the 
in opposition to his father's wisdom from the planet Krypton. Um, he goes into the sky, goes round and round around the world super fast, spins it backwards, make time go, makes time go backwards, uh, and rescues Lois. Takes, uh, I keep wanting to say Gene Hackman, damn it. Uh, takes Lex Luthor, drops him off in jail, flies by the camera, and gives a grin as credits roll. Very nice. Very nice. That is Superman, the movie. Superman. So, our interesting opening. I, so, the message that I got with this uh, opening was, it was essentially stating right off the bat, it's, we are seeking to do true homage to this character. Like, it's, we want, we, we are trying to bring the comic to life. Uh it was, uh, you know, it's, it's a the the sort of the the storybook beginning. It's a trope that's sort of, you know, a little uh, cliched now, uh, but I think it made a strong announcement at the beginning of this film back in '79. I think maybe it made that announcement in '79. Today, it feels to me like a vote of no confidence um, in the idea that audiences will accept superheroes. So I feel like they're immediately. Ah. I feel like they're immediately going. Okay, you remember it's black and white. Here's black and white, and this is an old tale from '38. And here's this opening up, and here are all these things. And then you get the, the big, giant, amazing credits um, that are coming out at you. So that by the time you arrive on the soundstage of Krypton, um, uh, I know it's Krypton. Um, uh, by the time you arrive at the soundstage, of, that that frankly is while. All, on one hand, impressive also looks a little cheap. Um, mm-hmm. You, uh, you, tin foil costumes. You're already in the mindset of the world. I think that it's. I think feel like the movie is not ready to just plunk you down in the plot, but really wants to sort of get, has to coax you into the world a bit. Yeah, I feel like it does. I don't think that's what they. I mean, that's not what they do now because I. I think the audiences are now ready and willing to accept. But at the time, mm-hmm. I feel like that's really what's going on. I feel like it's just like, it's okay. Look, it's going to be fine. It's a real movie. It really is a real movie. We're not doing silly. It's not silly. Take it serious. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, I also, one of the first things that struck me with that, um, I freaking loved the credit sequence. Uh, the, you know, the big uh, explosive stuff. For one thing, I had forgotten just how phenomenally good John Williams' score yeah, no, he should score uh, everything all the time. Everything all the time. Um, the the first thing that jumped out at me was top billing goes to Marlon Brando. Uh, second billing goes to Gene Hackman. And then they show Superman, the, uh, the titles. Christopher Reeve, his name isn't even introduced until after the title of the film. After so- Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman have already been... Uh, have already been sort of billed. You know, I chafed uh, against that too. Um, when I saw, I don't know if I chafed against it. I just thought, I just thought it was an interesting commentary. Well, it all, it always, it 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 always bothered me in Batman 89 that Michael Keaton is billed after Jack Nicholson. Like the movie's called Batman, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's, you know, clearly the lead. Um, Mm -hmm. although I kind of wonder it's got to be there. I would not, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I certainly would not be surprised if it turned out that the only way that they were able to get Marlon Brando, you know, who was a huge name at the time, to get him on board with a project like this is to say, don't worry, we promise you're going to get top billing. Sure. And Gene Hackman, also a big deal at the time. But I think that Mm -hmm. the other thing that is worth noting, I did chafe. I saw it and I was like, "Uh, really, that's not fair. That's not right. Um, But as you watch the movie, uh, Christopher Reeve doesn't show up till an hour in. Yeah, uh, it's worth noting that while Kal-El is in the movie as a baby and Kal-El is in the movie as a toddler and Kal-El is in the movie as a teenager, um, we don't see Christopher Reeve until the movie's nearly halfway over. Yeah, um, they really and, put a lot of time into the origin of this guy. Um, and we see, you know, in the first half of the movie, if you were only to watch the first half of Superman, I'd absolutely say, yeah, clearly Marlon Brando is the star of this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, there it is 20 minutes of Krypton. Uh, yeah, and to be honest, the they give you know as I was watching it, um, I had forgotten like Jorel has some really beautiful speeches. Yes, uh, which Marlon Brando delivers with a powerful subtlety because he's Marlon uh, Brando. Because he's Marlon Brando. I mean, it's you know it's easy to to sort of 
make fun of the sort of the caricature that he became in later life, but man, he he didn't overplay any of that. And I th- and that's what kept it from being cheesy. Well, I think, despite the fact that they were wearing tinfoil costumes that reflected light. I think he was necessary for the film. I think, one, you needed something to give the film legitimacy. And I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, that is a trick that they have continued to use. If you're going to make Doctor Strange, you put in Benedict Cumberbatch. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. now, yeah, they, they did it with Star Trek. You you make Star Trek work by putting Christopher Plummer in it. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. that's that's a thing that that they've done to make you accept the fantastical but i think that in this particular case again you know you've seen the artsy opening the black and white the incredible credits and now it's marlon brando the greatest actor of his generation like they're yeah. they really really want you to take this seriously yeah um uh but i it seemed less unfair when i realized that oh my gosh like for a half hour uh you know Superman it's the, is, play, it's, is, the is, it's the it's the Jor-El show. Well, and then after that, it's this other actor playing Clark. Um, yeah. So Christopher Reeve, you know, I would dare say Christopher Reeve probably does not have more scenes or more lines than Gene Hackman in this movie because they spent a I lot of so. time on Gene Hackman. They spent a lot of time with Luther. Yeah. And most of the time with Clark is spent with you spend way more time with young Clark than you do with grown up Clark. Um, yeah. So I think it's actually not unfair in terms of the amount of work that went into the movie. I think that the credits are probably just about right um, this time yeah. around. Um, so what did you think of, uh, first of all, the fact that it's Krypton, um, does that bother you? <laughs> like, it bothers me. That, um, the, you mean the design of it? No, the mispronunciation of Krypton. Um, I, I don't, I, I never knew what was the correct. Uh, it's, it's. Definitely Krypton, uh, and oh, they say and they say Krypton in the film. Um, no, only um, only Marlon Brando says Krypton. Hmm. Everyone else says Krypton. Um, Marlon Brando clear, and you'd think somebody probably said, uh, Marlon, uh, Mr. Brando, it's Krypton. He's like, yes, no, I'm going to call it Krypton because I think it should be <laughs> Krypton. Like I can just see it. It seems very much like uh, like I can call it what I want, and I want it to be Krypton because mm-hmm. it makes me different. Like the, the poor, the poor dramaturg who asks is like, uh, actually, it's Krypton. And the director pulls him over, just like, excuse me, were you just giving a note to Marlon Brando? We, yeah, we don't do no, that. No, no, we no, do no. that. We just you, point you, the camera you. and go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what did you think of the Krypton outside of the speeches? Like, can can we be honest about the sets and the costumes? Oh yeah, the sets and the costumes were interestingly the most. Uh, I mean, it's it was to a certain degree, it was almost like back to. Uh, you know, Star Trek original series. Yeah, it's uh, not worse. In some of the ways of it. Yeah, it's yeah. Just the uh, a weird choice. <laughs> so yeah, so the uh, so that aside, yeah, I think we can we can all agree on that. Um, my first thought was the trial of General Zod. Um, they spend a good amount of time on it. Like, yeah, we're talking three to five minutes. Um, and granted, it was a long film, especially for its time. But my first thought was like, did they? Were they? Did they just know that they were going to have a sequel even at this point? Yeah, no, because it was put. Not, in, I think it's one of the last scenes filmed. I think it's absolutely oh, one okay. of the last so scenes filmed. So you think it was one of those things where the uh, where the hype was big enough that they're like, okay, no, I think we can. We don't need to wait for the box office on this. We can yeah. start laying the groundwork for it. that. Oh, that makes sense to think that it was filmed latest in the project because that's true because you really only need the four actors. And it's worth noting that while um, Superman 2 is officially credited to a different director, um, Richard Donner did most of Superman 2 as well. Um, and it's really oh, wow. <clears throat> meant to be like one movie. And you can actually find out there, it's on Blu-ray, the, um, the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. Where he oh, interesting. did his like that like it's so much of it is his and then they replaced him as the, the same thing they're doing with Star Wars now they replaced him as a director with somebody else um, mm-hmm. and and they did it and there a lot of the inferior stuff in Superman two uh, is is from the other director interesting so um uh but yeah that's that I I they do spend a lot of time on General Zod you know the Terrence Stamp is amazing. You know, it's just the mm-hmm. three of them. The fact that it's already cast, you're clearly setting up the sequel. Again, before this movie, I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that, where, like, here's a scene that's just for the sequel. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's the sort of thing that would be better if it were made today. That would have been an after credit scene. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, totally. slightly, you know, filmed slightly differently, but that would have been an after credits. Yeah, that's something that the tease for the next movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I found, especially as a kid, I found the uh, the interaction with um, Jarrell and his wife um, and the and Clark leaving to be particularly emotional um, as he is as as Jarrell is is basically justifying doing this and the wife is is and I'm sorry I can't remember her name I'm just calling her the wife um she is not uh like she is worried about the emotional state that he's going to yeah, be in Yeah he's there. all he's concerned with is his survival and she's essentially saying it's like yes but he'll be alone like there's a there's a neat duality going on there Yeah it's it's a beautiful and when I was a kid the scene just crushed me like cuz you know mm-hmm. you know, you're like mommy you know that it just was it was hard oh, yeah. to see. Yeah, um, as a parent, it was also really affecting. So, um, mm. yeah, some of the some of the best stuff in the movie. Um, so he flies through space. Yep. Um, lots of talking as he flies through space. Very artsy again. Um, and arrives very naked on. Did we need the wee wee shot? Well, here's the thing. I think the wee wee shot is, uh, and by wee wee shot, we mean essentially when the kid who you no know, looks like. I mean, maybe three or four. Sure. Uh, by that, thousands you know, of years appears, for him, but he's, he's yeah. But yeah. it's it appears um, he appears naked. Uh, if it were filmed today, uh, there's you know they would have they would have found a way to artfully conceal the wee wee. Um, yeah. I think it speaks to a certain degree. It speaks to the innocence of the time that everyone's just like, oh yeah, no, it's a it's a you know you know kids you know. I, I I don't really know how to. <laughs> I don't. Know I guess I guess we without, uh, we, without going we all, into sort of creepy territory. But we don't just, need to go into creepy just, territory. We can say we can say yeah. that we all have the parents who go. When we were kids, we just ran around naked. We went out to the pond, and you know, yeah. And there was mm-hmm. not a there was no sexual connotation to it. There was the no time. sexual connotation to it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, um. So maybe it is just a thing of the time. It it's distracting now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I'm like, yo, hey, kid, how are you doing? See you later on the Nirvana cover. It does sort of make me think about the actor who played that kid 20 years later being just like, hey, mom, dad, thanks. Yep. Yeah, it's good. Everyone in the world, everyone in the world has Mm -hmm. seen and and has icky feelings about me. Thanks. Very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So then we spend a good amount of time. um, Let's talk about young Clark. Uh, What do you think of Mm -hmm. young Clark? How does he do? What do you think of the segment of the film? Uh, I like it. The, uh, I got to just get out of the way. The, uh, um, the racing the train scene, uh, the special effects in that, like, there's a way to do, like, old-style special effects like that, that, you know, but most of the effects in this worked. I thought the the racing the train, the way his legs moved, were very awkward. Um, but I just, you know, throwing that out of the way. To talk more about the storyline of it, um, I thought it was... It's great, you know, so much of the quintessential origin story that we take for granted now with all of our comic stories and movies is it's, it's hard to go back and realize, oh, for a lot of people watching this film, this was the first origin story. We're having the the debate with, uh, you know, the kid wants to show off his powers, but his father is like, no, you, you can't do that yet. Um, you know, him just wanting to succeed. Uh, well, I guess this the, is maybe the first... The f- like, and, and I think it's worth noting how important this is. Um, yeah, because this is the first time uh, on screen that you've seen a superhero motivated by um, by their past, by their very human past. Yeah, by, the, by those things that we all thing go through. It's, it's telling. It's really saying. No, Superman is first and foremost human, and then Superman. Yeah, it, uh, it makes which, you ask, what would it be like to be Superman, is what it, it asks mm-hmm. of the audience. Which, even in the comics, I mean, Batman, you know, in the 70s, as as uh, as Neil Adams and stuff was was taking over, had, had already started a resurgence into the dark territory. But it was still very much about what Batman did and not a whole lot about what mm-hmm. Batman felt. Um, yeah. and Actually, I'm thinking of the... Uh, sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to say, this is, you know... Without this, I don't think like this is the model that's followed, you know, 
like always about doing doing superhero origin stories and really even mm-hmm. non-origin stories for the rest of the superhero genre is let's see you know what an emotional and psychological um strain it is on your protagonist to be whatever version of super that they are mm-hmm. we want to see the man behind the mask more yeah. than we want to see the mask um I'm actually thinking suddenly of the uh, that speech uh, that Bill gives in Kill Bill Volume 2 about how, you know, Superman is not Clark. Like, you know, with all the other superheroes, it's like, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. But, it's, but, but Superman, he's like, he's Superman first and then Clark Kent second. And I think this movie um, is actually a, that's an argument against that. I mean, this whole origin thing really shows that no this is his uh no this man is clark first and foremost well i i think you i think you only see clark in the old um i i i think you only see clark in the old in the smallville section of the film i don't think clark in the daily planet and i don't think superman are really clark i think they're both put-ons uh yeah i think I think that's a good, that's a nice way. But you see Clark underneath both of them. You, the, the, you, you see the quote-unquote real Clark. But you're right. I mean, Clark Kent, Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter, is a caricature, is a put-on. Absolutely. Superman is closer to the real Clark. But even that, there's a certain degree of... Uh, I'm putting um, my hands on my hips, Lois. I'm speaking in yes, platitudes. Yes, this and now I'm, I'm yeah, and, yeah, I'm speaking in platitudes. This is what a this is what a super this is what a hero should act like, and that's what I'm acting like. And you can almost mm-hmm. see underneath that, you know, the real Clark is, you know, I think you get a sense of the real Clark in Superman two very very much, and we'll talk about it eventually. But I think mm-hmm. I think Superman is absolutely a put on as is Clark Kent, mild mannered reporter. So I think that the Smallville section, you know, dare I say this might be my favorite part of the film. I am in, almost inclined to agree with you on that. I would not, yeah. I mean, I knew that Superman was mythic, uh, but a lot of the the mythic archetypes really jumped out at me in this film. Uh, and the first one is uh, the importance in the uh, you know in the traditional hero's myth of the absent father figure, uh, and Superman gets that twice. Um, he gets the absent father figure with uh, Jor El. But then also uh, when Pa Kent dies, uh, like I was actually wondering, so why did they need to have Pa Kent die? It's not like with Uncle Ben and Spider-Man where clearly it is the death of Uncle Ben that propels Peter Parker into wanting to become a hero. In point of fact, um, in the comics, uh, both Ma and Pa Kent are alive when Superman is Superman. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. The, uh, or at least so they were at the think, time. I think the... I think the reason why they did that was, I mean, to me, the one of the real thesis statements of the film is when Clark at his father's grave is saying, all of these powers, and I couldn't save him, uh, which certainly, you know, motivates the ending, something fierce. Uh, so what we get, actually, is these two father figures, both of whom loved Clark very much and who he clearly loves back, but they have two very different views on who Clark should be uh you know the uh you know the whole thing about you know it's forbidden to interfere with human uh with human history uh you know versus Pa Kent saying you know you were put here for a reason um well you know I I I I always got the sense that you're forbidden to interfere with human history meant you're not supposed to mess with time because Yes. Like, I think it was just that, you know, I used to think that meant like, hey, leave the humans alone. Don't go be Superman. Mm-hmm. But that's not what it means because he's kind of he's kind of like you need. No, because yeah. he's because he does because Jor-El says, no, I expect you to lead these people. You know, the um, so I mean, so, yeah, the, the two fathers agree on certain things. I think it's just the um, the limits to them. Uh, but I just it's it's inter- it's very rare to have a character with two father figures, uh, both of them absent. Uh, so I thought that was that was powerful and quite telling. Very, very much. I never watched the show Smallville. Um, I did watch uh, the old 80s show Superboy. Um, and I will say, you know, eventually we're going to talk about Superman three down the road, down the road. We have to. Um, um, mm-hmm. I will say the Smallville sequences of that um, are some of my favorite stuff in Superman. Hmm. Um, I. 
I like Clark being Clark. I like Clark being real, that there's no, that, you know, there, there's no hiding behind anything. I like seeing genuine Clark. I would have liked to mm-hmm. see um, Christopher Reeve get a chance to do that. And we don't, uh, but we will. Um in in future installments uh so let's let, let's cut ahead he goes to the fortress of solitude he gets also he gets more wisdom from uh from his father from krypton um did we get a so does he just uh so we get this sense that he spends 12 years like journeying away from earth you know i don't know like or does he just spend that's, it it was unclear whether he just it's unclear whether he spends those 12 years learning or whether he actually like flew out there and then flew back I get the sense that he was learning in there. Like, mm. I get the sense he was just in the Fortress of Solitude, like, VR exploration of of everything. That's sort of, like, that he was just kind of there mm-hmm. for a while. And, uh, well, and also with the Fortress of Solitude, to keep going on into the mythic themes, I, this was the one where I, it absolutely struck me. I was like, oh, wow, they are, they are following the Jesus storyline very close here. Oh, interesting. Uh, you know, with the what? No, because it's somebody born desert. to, yeah, born to common parents. Uh, you know, but with a with sort of a super powered absent father figure who he then discovers. You know, it's just like, oh no, I'm your actual father, and this is what you're meant to do. But then also, it's that, yep, from adolescence to adult. You know, from adolescence to about the time you're thirty. Nobody know, you know, like it's just that's just spent out doing something that is not. Part oh, of the that's story. really interesting. That's that didn't even occur to me. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. Absolutely. Yes. The more I think about it, that is absolutely the case. Um, I. When he gets to uh, the, when we get to the Daily Planet, we're introduced to three new characters, Jimmy Olsen, uh, Perry White and uh and Lois Lane. Um first Jimmy Olsen mm-hmm. Perry White, kind of what you expect, right? There's nothing they, yeah. they're exactly exactly like pulled out of the comics. Um they mm-hmm. are iconically both those characters for me. Um yeah. And then you get Lois Lane. Um and Margot Kidder's Lois Lane is not the Lois Lane from the comics. Uh No it is not. Uh, she is um you know spunky uh uh, uh sarcastic um, large and in, mm-hmm. large and in charge. Um, very driven. Uh, driven. Um, and not uh, and not conventionally beautiful. Very pretty. No, a pretty a pretty woman, especially in the first one. But not you know she's not. What that's true. She is not that. She's not like a a bombshell. She's not a yeah. uh, a buxom brunette. No. Um, um what do you th- which kind of I kind of like that cuz it means that uh it means that Clark falls for her personality sure. first and foremost. Um what do you think of Margot Kidder in this role? Um I I like it. It's I mean I really liked her in the second film. Um so in this role uh I mean I think she she does play the, I mean, that sort of 70s go-getter uh, liberated woman very well. But the the softer side of it in the, you know, in the flight scene, uh, I think she plays fairly well, uh, too. Um, we'll have to talk about the flight scene. In yes, we will. You know, the poem, particularly the poem in her mind. Uh. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, I think uh, I like it. Um, she, she comes off to me as a little abrasive at first, but I think that's part of her charm. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I don't, I don't get his attraction to her. I don't even know that. I mean, I guess he is attracted to her. Maybe she, she's the first woman that he meets. I don't, I, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't see the chemistry between them. Um, I see it more in the next film, but I don't see any, there's no Mm -hmm. chemistry between the actors for me at all. Um, uh, but I buy her as a reporter. I buy her as 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 being strong. She's almost in another movie that's not this movie. Like I just saw the I, yeah. Oh yeah, the 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 whole tone of the movie changes completely I, once they enter. The I just planet. saw the post, um, and uh, which is about the Washington Post in the '60s, and I can absolutely imagine uh her in that film or in all the president's men or something like like she really like i see her there and maybe that was necessary maybe that was you know that was the thing of the time that you would get you know so i i 
don't hate her. Um, I will like her more later. I will dislike her more later. Um, she's mm-hmm. fine here. I will say the one thing that I'm grateful for is uh, there is uh, okay in in many uh, you know in many story structures you've got the protagonist who is usually the hero. Uh, but essentially, it's the one that the story's about. You've got the antagonist who works against the hero. Uh, in this case, it would be Luther. And then frequently, you have the tetragonist who is, for lack of a better term, the one that the protagonist and antagonists act upon. Like, usually, it's somebody that the hero is fighting for. The The tetragonist is the classic damsel in distress. Okay. Uh, and it's very easy in a lot of stories to make the tetragonist, uh, who in this case would be Lois to a certain degree, not an agent in and of themselves, but just an object that the protagonist must somehow acquire Hmm. or defend. Um, Lois, and this is late 70s, early 80s, Lois is not a woman without agency. She is always out there pursuing her own agenda, um, sometimes if that's completely separate to what's going on in the storyline, uh, but she is always making choices, uh, very active choices. And that she's is... always getting herself into trouble and Superman's her safety net. But I mean, I think she has a sense that Superman's gonna save her, but it's not that someone is damseling her. She is, you know, she is stepping two steps further mm-hmm. than maybe she normally would, you know, like by this, and, you know, and that's her. That's her hubris, her fault. Yeah. Like the fact that had Superman not been there in that alley, she would have, you know, she was actively trying to to uh, stop the mugger. It would have gotten her killed had Superman not been there. Yes, but that doesn't change the. Fa- it could have just as easily been that, you know, oh Lois was just cowering behind Clark the whole time, and then the mugger decided to pull the trigger anyway. The fact that she is actually trying to do something, even if it goes slightly wrong is still better than her doing nothing at all. Um, that brings us to the uh, antagonist. Uh, we have Gene Hackman as uh, Lex Luthor. We have, um, I don't know who plays Miss Tessmacher. We have Miss Tessmacher. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm looking up who, it, who is Miss Tessmacher. Boo, 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 boo. Um, uh, it's Valerie Perrin as a Miss Tessmacher. And then we have... Uh, I want to see Otis. Otis, who plays Otis? Uh, he's he's one of that guy. He's he's a that Ned, ba- guy. Ned Beatty, who's bunch. been in a bunch of stuff. Who's oh yeah, uh, who was mm-hmm. in shooter? He was in Deliverance. Uh, he was in. Um, uh, he's Lotso in Toy Story Three. Who knew? Um, oh my gosh! Wow. Um, yeah, uh, he hasn't. So what you were talking about before, the one thing that struck me with this is this is a movie that takes Superman very seriously, but it does not do the same for Lex Luthor. That's an interesting point. They There is so much comic effect. I, the whole, you know, the villain with the bumbling henchman, the, the whole thing with them getting the, the scenes with them uh, rewiring the nuclear missiles, like it's all, it's almost, there's a certain element of almost Three Stooges to it. Uh, now, underneath all of that, Hackman has this wonderful, there is an undercurrent of menace underneath that. The, uh, you know, like when Superman says, you know, essentially, I'm paraphrasing what he's like, oh, is that how you, uh, oh, is that how you amuse yourself by dreaming up ways to kill innocent people? And he says, and Luther replies, no, I amuse myself by killing innocent people. Uh, so there's, so underneath the humor, there is still a... Oh, this guy is a horrible, horrible person. Yeah, uh, but there is still a lot of humor in there. Well, and um, and and Ned Beatty is not the only one who's who's bumbling. You know, it's yeah. Frankly, I feel yeah. I so feel- is so is Lex Luthor. He's hanging off a ladder. He's he's you know mm-hmm. you know Mister Smucker. You know, it's like it's Mister Smucker. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I think that uh, he, as much as I love um, Gene Hackman, and I do, and as much as I associate this role with Gene Hackman, and I do, um, he is maybe you know, and you know, shoot me for this. Uh, he, don't really shoot me for this, but he he is maybe my least favorite Lex. Um, I might actually uh, like um, the Lex from Batman v Superman better. It's very different than this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, certainly, I think the my favorite Lex uh, in the few times I've seen him is Michael Rosenbaum from um, from Smallville. He seems to have really mm-hmm. sort of captured that. But I do. Well, I feel like the character of Lex Luthor has evolved as well. Like the original Lex Luthor was very much a you know archetypical you know mad scientist supervillain uh, you know who is lurking in his lair with the the Legion of Doom and you know wearing a supervillain costume and. Since then, Lex Luthor has come to represent much more the the man who knows how to work within the system. I mean, shoot, there's even an arc where he becomes president in the comics. Like Lex is now that he's he's no longer the super he's no longer, ooh, I'm a supervillain who's, you know, off in a lair somewhere. He's like, no, I'm the head of a massive Fortune five hundred company, and you can find me in my corner office overlooking Central Park. Uh and that's a very different uh that's a very different take on the character. Yeah. Um so certainly the Lex Luthers of the previous uh of like maybe the past 15 20 years have much more reflected that Lex as opposed to Gene Hackman's. Well, and and I think that Gene Hackman's is the first step in that direction in that in this in in this movie he is seen as, you know, wealthy capable scheming you know he is not the likes in the robot mm-hmm. suit you know he's certainly not that yeah but he's um you know i think you can modify this into something much more ominous i i now you know lex luthor is a is a white collar kingpin if you want to make the comparison um you know yeah i, I think that that mm-hmm. that is absolutely a, a fair assessment um uh you know as, as for otis and miss tessmacher they're fine. They're fine. I can take him or leave you know, him. They, you know, and Ned Beatty's very, you know, talented. I mean, we we should be calling out all the actors in this. You know, we just said Pa Kent mm-hmm. and we didn't say Glenn Ford, which yeah. you know, it's Glenn Ford. <laughs> like the yeah. the man the man the man was a legend. Um This is a pretty star studded uh cast when you think about it. You know. Um but uh but in fact, it comes down to um, the latter half of this movie, which um, there first before we get to the latter half, I guess we now is a, the, a better time as any Superman goes to uh, to Lois Lane's apartment to have an interview with her. Uh, she dares him to look at her underwear and he does. Um, and then mm-hmm. they go flying together in. Yeah. In I'll put it out there. The worst scene in this movie. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, I think I could. Yep. Um, it uh, it that was about me. It was a scene that was maybe about three minutes too long, and it's only three um, minutes long. So, um, so <laughs> it's um, the interview part worked. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I was thinking about it. Something that's interesting. Of course, I was watching this film with a sense of okay, in terms of uh, in terms of social progress sensibilities. How dated is this film going to seem? Uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised uh, that it was not as dated as I thought it was. There was only one scene that really, really jumped out at me as being like, oh, oh, God. And that was the when Miss Tessmacher pretends to be the woman in the car accident who's just unconscious and all the army soldiers are, you know, jostling and fighting over who gets to perform mouth to mouth. Oh, that's and, that uh, creepy. Yeah. That, I was like, oh, that's not... You know, it's just like, oh, oh, man. Um, But I kind of like the fact that Lois is like, she's like, okay, so you can see through everything. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, what color underwear am I wearing? And instead of, I actually kind of like the fact that instead of being like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly. That's not, you know, he takes her at her word in the sense of, oh, you asked me a question. Well, I can't see right now because, you know, there's lead in that plant. But then as soon as he can, he's like, oh, it's pink. And it's not like a, hey, it's pink. Uh, it's just, it's straightforward and sincere. Uh, I kind of, I kind of dug that. Um, I, yeah, yeah, the interview's fine. The fact that he, you know, that, that after the interview, Clark is thinking about telling her who he is, um, uh, Mm -hmm. is great. Uh, you know, the details that he gives in the interview is great because it humanizes him. Um, when you say that he's sincere, this is where he's sincere. Like everything else, he's mm-hmm. being a hero. But this is the only time you get to be Superman. See Superman, be Superman. Just be a guy. Yeah. He's a and 
you you read enough you and, read enough comic books to know that the action scenes are only a few pages of each comic book. Like the the heroes mm-hmm. are in costume talking a lot in comic book. Yeah, and this is where he gets to do that. He is in costume talking a lot. Um, and and it's just this scene. Um, and I think that that is yeah. So when I think of Christopher Reeve's performance as Superman, this is the scene I think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um. Then they go flying. Then they go flying. <sighs> All right. So question with this, uh, aside from the fact that it's just like, uh, this is just trying to work but not working. Um, you know, when she says, can you read my mind? Right, well, let's let's uh, be clear about what I she's doing. Actually, it's a song. It's a song from the 70s. Yeah. Can, can you read my mind? You, you know, read my mind. You know which is, is actually I the theme. Yeah. 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 Um. So it's sort of like that. They put lyrics to the Clark and Lois John Williams theme. Yeah. And imagine and uh, imagine you're watching Titanic, which has that love theme throughout it. Da 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 da. da. It's all throughout the score. Mm-hmm. Imagine at some point when Kate Winslet's being drawn by Leonardo DiCaprio, if she's going near, far, far, wherever you are, wherever you are. I know that my heart will I'm go here. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's possibly the uh, it's the worst uh, instance of putting lyrics to music since uh, they put lyrics to the original Star Trek theme. Oh my god! Which I know, which is actually one of my that Star Trek theme with lyrics is one of my audition pieces. Lyrics just written because, by Gene nope. Roddenberry, by the way. Yep, a- absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think my favorite part in that one is just I know he'll find in star clustered reaches love. Strange love a star woman teaches. Like, it's just, it's so delightfully bad. Yeah, um, oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But yeah. this so, is not so, yeah, delightful I think we in can any agree. way. No, it is not delightful anything. <laughs> no. Oh. Um, you know, even the flying thing, I mean, essentially, pretty much, I could have lived with it until she started thinking the song in her mind. Um up until that point, it was, you know, still could have been a little bit shorter, but it was kind of cool. It was a nice romantic thing. You got the sense that it was, that was an experience that was bringing them both closer together. And yeah, and to a certain extent, there is sort of like a, you know, the idea of someone coming along and whisking you off your feet and taking you through the air. Like, there's something pretty romantic about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then they they did, they did not nail the landing. Yeah. Uh, metaphorically um, speaking. Even um, the flight with him, like, holding her, like... Like his, he has the power to keep her from freezing to death. He has the, like, it's just, it's not nothing about it. Well, that, I mean, here's the thing. There's a whole lot of science that needs to be just thrown out the window for this film to work. But you know, here's, here's, Um, and and they do this at the end of Superman too. Um, I don't mind in science fiction that certain things happen, but then suddenly it's like, oh, and they can fly and she's fine. Later on, they're going to show in, uh, in a later Superman movie that he can actually point his finger at a wall and make it reassemble itself. Like, yeah, yeah it's, there's a little day six, but like, yes, Superman is meant to seem like a God. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, but at the same time, well, it's what we were saying before with, uh, when we were talking about, uh, in Serenity, how suddenly, uh, Captain Malcolm has a, uh, he conveniently had that nerve cluster moved, uh, the so that allows him to defeat the bad guy and that's yeah. the first time that we hear about it it's like no if you i love the fact that Jorel was at the beginning when he was saying well this is what's going to happen to him because of the yellow sun and his dense molecular structure he was outlining his powers yeah at the beginning and that's great um you know, and and maybe it's something something if it was like a oh, and he'll discover you know plus other ones that he'll discover sure. himself. He will, uh, if Superman discovers powers, that's later great, on he'll find a giant mo- cellophane s that will save the day. I'm not kidding. We'll talk about it in another movie. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that. Yeah, but that's it's. But we need to see a hero suddenly being granted new powers. Totally fine with. But we need to see the moment of discovery. Yes, um, true. We need to have some kind of scene of him like maybe reassembling something smaller yep and sort of 
experimenting with that. And then that's another movie, when it though. gets to the wall and reassembles, it's it's yeah. it's, the, it's the reverse Chekhov's gun. Yeah. So we we will get to that when we talk about the the movie where it happens. Mm-hmm. But in this case, they finally land. Yeah. The scene is over. I clean up the vomit, um, and then we get to the final uh, section of the movie, which is you know, uh, Superman confronts Lex. He gets the the kryptonite. We see what kryptonite does. Miss Texmarker betrays Lex. It's all fine. Um, Lex mm-hmm. has his his plan. Um, you get where the money gets spent. They send some missiles off, and we get some real destruction. Sure, they're models, but yeah. it works for me. It does work for me. The, yeah. the destruction, um, the destruction of like the water coming to wash away the town. It's pretty and- good. It's pretty good. You you need yeah. to go with it a little bit, but it's pretty good. It does it does its job. Um, uh, I'm satisfied with the with the level of destruction that should befit you know a Superman movie. Um. You know, it certainly don't need Batman v Superman level of destruction all the time. <laughs> yeah. And what was kind of neat about it, though, was that um, with the destruction, they, you know, as soon as the earthquake hits, so you see Lois is in trouble, Jimmy Olsen's in trouble, there's the kids on the bus, uh, and I think, and the train, and then they spend time on Superman systematically going around and saving each individual group. Yeah. Like, this is I, I do kind of like I mean, there are whole towns full of people of the, who aren't saved. But in this case, as long as he gets these but, people taken care of, he's good. And you're fine as an audience. But, but, I, but that's yeah. And because but that's the thing is that everybody who was shown was saved. Sure. Yeah. Um, the you know, versus the you know, the current iteration of Man of Steel. What I really liked about this one is what makes Superman. OK, so going into the question that we're always going to ask, what makes a hero a hero? Uh Superman is not a hero because he beats the bad guys. It's because he saves people. Like he spends, you know, the whole him him flying back, and we don't even see his final conversation with Luther, uh, where he picks him up and takes him to the jail. All we see is him just dropping him off at the jail. Are, are like, you almost? Are you trying to? That, are you trying to tell me that we're not going to win by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love? Absolutely, <laughs> I am. Yes, <laughs> tell me. Uh, and it also says that it's like this whole time. It's like Luther is, Luther is an afterthought to Superman when it comes to what's important in that disaster. Yeah, the, Luther is not. Luther is not the lead in Superman's story, um, and and he just happens to be the one doing this terrible thing. Um, oh, I like I like that a lot. Yeah, it's sort of like that. No, the people really are the ones that Superman is. Th- he, that's what he's focused on. So Superman um, fails to save Lois. Um, and we get mm-hmm. a wonderful scene of his reaction. In my opinion, you know, I think there's been a lot. There's oh. been a lot of screaming at the sky, and much of it doesn't work. Um, oh, Christopher Reeves does such a great job. This works. Him. Christopher. Oh yeah. Christopher Reeve nails first... it. Christopher Reeve nails it. it. Um, mm-hmm. it just like it's just the 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 pain. And you know, the thing is, is you know. I've seen it done so much. I've seen Hugh Jackman do it well and badly. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to say right now, only Christopher Reeve and Worf are allowed to scream to the sky. That's it. <laughs> Nobody else. No one it's else. not allowed anywhere else. You know, Al Pacino. Sky scream. Al Pacino, I don't care how much they take the audio out. Sometimes they try that. Uh, Godfather 3, I'm looking at you. Um, and mm-hmm. that that's better. You know, but in general, only Christopher Reeve and Worf get to do yeah. this uh, particular and, movie. And because, again, it's so – and it's set up by the sincerity is that you just know it's – there's a – there's an innocence to Clark that has just been uh, – Broken. Yeah, been broken. There's a vulnerability that's just been punched through. His innocence survived um, the death of his father. His innocence, he was like, okay, well, that's a fluke, right? I mean, I can... That was, and that, it, was a, it was a natural thing. It was, he had a heart attack. That sucks, but it happens. But that's a fluke. Like, that's, um, that's the one time I wasn't fast enough to say, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just a mm-hmm. kid. It's fine. That's not going to happen again. And then when it mm-hmm. happens this time around, you're just, you feel, you feel the heart broken. It's, it's well, it's wonderfully done. It's wonderfully yeah. done. Now, now here's, I, I'm kind of going back to now the, uh, not really the. I mean, here's where it sort of diverges from the from the Jesus story, uh, but also, but it is a question that you get a lot with the mythic hero, and that is, um, there comes a point where the hero must make a choice, uh, especially where they between whether are they going to become the person that their absent parent figure asked them to be, or 
are they going to do it differently? Are they going to become their own person? Um, and either of those, and and both of those things happen. Yeah, Luke. Um, Luke does what Obi Wan wants him to do. Yeah, uh, certainly. But this one is he Superman defies his father uh, in with Jor-El. and also science. Uh, and also and hmm? also science. And also science. This is, yes. this is, I mean, and this is why we're going to talk about. It. I, it I think a, it needs to be talked about. But I, I want to. It needs to be talked about. Let's that, stick with your okay, theme first. The, let's stick with your theme first about about, about what you're saying because I think that I think the theme. I, I think what it says about Clark and and Christopher Reeve's acting in this moment and the intensity of it, all of that is good enough to make me forgive the absolute ridiculousness of the concept of, oh, I'll just make the Earth spin backwards and that will reverse time instead of destroying half the planet. I don't know if it's good enough for me anymore. I know that it was good enough for me for a while. I would completely I would completely agree with you on that. Yeah. No, um, there's... You, certainly, if this movie were made today, it would be, to borrow your phrase, unforgivable. Yes, it's a bridge too but far. For but an but 80s for film the that time... Was st- yeah, you know, especially since it was the fil- I don't know if I was an adult at the time, if I would have thought it was good enough, um, you know, mm-hmm. but I will say that the that that Christopher Reeve does sell it. They want you to feel it. I mean, they play Marlon Brando's voice as he's doing it, telling him not to do yeah, it. Yeah. And then the, and then they hear Pa Kent saying you were put here for a reason. It was great. It highlights the moment of choice. My problem uh-huh. with it becomes that in subsequent movies. There's no consequence. Why doesn't he just do it again? Well, not only why doesn't um, he do oh, it again. Oh, and also, that's true. But that's like, you know, if you're going to drive home, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. Th- you're right. There needs to be a consequence. Um, now, that's that's modern thinking, right? That's, that's you know, today's mm-hmm. television and movies is all about consequence. Um, it's not like, it wasn't like that before. You wrapped it up in a pretty bow and, you know, he grins at the camera and everything goes, goes well. That's, you know, consequence mm-hmm. of the kind we're talking about in... A franchise film um, was not something that you saw so much. You're not, you know, you're not, yeah. you don't spend, nowadays you spend the sequel paying for the sins of the movie before. Um, it's one of the Ooh, things. I love that phrase. It's one yeah. of the things that Batman v Superman does really well. Um, I had a big yes, problem in Man of Steel with what Superman did. And Batman v Superman goes, yeah, you know what? That is a problem. Yeah. That's a big problem. Mm-hmm. And the entire movie yeah. is predicated on what a giant problem that is. That's one thing I really dug about Batman v Superman. And by the way, guys, you're going to find, while I have real problems with Batman v Superman, I think you're going to find that I like it more than you think I will. Um, I think we're we're going to both be in agreement on that. Um, but ultimately, uh, I do have to talk about how how it is a bridge too far. It is too deus ex machina. The, just running the film backward and watch everything go in, it doesn't it mm-hmm. doesn't do the trick for me anymore. Um, it is, yeah. it is like the flying scene. It's something I just gotta go. Well, the movie was good up to this point. Let's just go with it. Let's get to the yeah. credits. Let's, let's just keep going. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. keep going. And that's what we're going to do. We get to the end. He, uh, um, Lois is saved. He drops off, uh, Lex in jail and, um, and winks at the camera, the iconic, the wink at the camera. He breaks the fourth wall mm-hmm. to smile at you, um, in the bookend yeah. where the movie starts uh, presentationally and ends presentationally um uh because you know what we're doing we're floating around in space is what we're doing um the, we the audience are floating in space for him mm-hmm. to fly to smile at us um so yeah. much so that in later iterations of superman specifically uh henry cavill i want him to do it i really do i think superman that's mm-hmm. one of his powers one of his powers is that he can see through the lens yeah i had forgotten this film and wrote it off as being slow and you know and uh dated and slow and not for me um it was definitely slower paced than modern superhero films but i didn't mind it yeah the fact is is now um i don't feel that way i feel like it is uh it is well paced and i and well directed and well acted with with some really you know nearly unforgivable scenes um Mm -hmm. but uh but i think that um I still will will give it uh, a good rating. Um, let's see what our ratings are. I guess. Uh, yeah. This is again um, on a scale of of one to five things. <laughs> one to five random things. <laughs> on, on a scale of one one to five Gene Hackman toupees. How many <laughs> Gene Hackman toupees do you give? Uh, do you give Superman uh, the motion? The Superman the movie. I would give this normally if this were just a standalone film. Uh, you know that didn't come out when it did i would have given it a solid three toupees uh because 
there's some great moments to it. There's some great moments of acting, but there's also some moments. It does kind of, the pace does drag at the end. It's kind of an unsatisfying climax. Um, so there's flaws with this film. However, uh, this film was, you know, such an important part to many childhoods. It's still what we think of when we, what we think of sort of like the iconic Superman. Like this film has become a part of our cultural mythos. Um, it's important. And I think it started Superman off on the right foot. Uh, so I will give it four Gene Hackman toupees. Um, I'm uh, uh, I'm going to be with you on on the fact that it is uh, it is well paced, like I said, and and it is uh, um, well acted in general. Um, it does uh, so much to cement what a superhero movie is going to be for the rest of every time. I mean, it's 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 always going to be you 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 look at Logan and you go Logan doesn't exist without uh without superman you look Mm -hmm. at deadpool and deadpool subverts the tropes they weren't tropes at the time this created the trope um yeah and i want to give it respect for that that being said um with as many superhero movies as are out there if i weren't watching it for this podcast i wouldn't have watched it um and i can't tell you that i'll watch it i guess i'll probably watch it next to show it to my kids um, mm-hmm. if they will even sit through it, but if I didn't yeah. have someone to show this movie to, to go, Hey, you should see this. I don't know that I would ever watch this movie again. Absolutely um, fair enough. Um, it's a movie I think that everyone should see once I can see why it was great for the time. Um, I am going to give it uh, a three as a movie, but for its, um, cultural importance, I'm going to bump it up a half to a three and a half. Um, I just don't think, I mean, the, if, if if my fives are going to be, you know, if, if we're going to get to Avengers and I'm going to give a five, um, I can't put this just just one step down from it. It's important. Um, but, you know, if it didn't have the flying scene and it didn't have, you know, the the going around the world at the end, um, I might say four. Um, but mm-hmm. for it's three and a half for me. Makes sense to me. So that's Superman, the movie, guys. Um, Superman, uh, the movie. Yeah. Uh, we have not discussed what we're going to do next. Um but uh, next time, uh, look for our thing that is next. Um, Where we will talk about something heroic. We will talk about something super heroic. Um, but uh, for now... Uh, something, something superhero. We don't have a sign-off yet. Uh, I don't know what it should be, but... Uh, hey, what do you think about... What do you think about... Hey, kids, stay super. Stay super. I don't know about the hey kids. It's a little creepy. Yeah, yeah, uh, a little creepy. Stay a little so, creepy. All right, so, so here we go. So my name is Justin. And I'm Arthur. Stay super. That's no, no, we got to do it at the same time, I'll say, I guess. No, yeah. I'll say stay. You say super. I love it. So I'll go, my okay, name is Justin. Cool. So, okay, you guys get to listen to behind the scenes. Isn't this fun? Yeah, um, I know, right? My name is Justin. And I'm Arthur. Stay super. Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not-safe-for-work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Enlight Entertainment.